Good morning. We invite you to come on in and find a seat as we begin our services this morning. We welcome you to the services of the Boonville Church of Christ. I know that we have visitors today and you are our honored guest. We would like to get a record of everyone's attendance. There is a friendship register at each pew. We'd ask that you pass that down and all of you sign it and give us information about you. Please stay around so that we can get to know you better and you can get to know us. In our services today, Brother Bo Gross is going to be leading us in our singing. Brother Guy Gardner has the opening prayer. Brother Evan Pounds has the scripture reading. Uh, Brother Doug Smith will introduce our special speaker today. Um, Brother Jeremy Jones will lead us as we observe the Lord's Supper. And Brother Aaron Foster has the announcements and closing prayer. We're sad to announce that we heard this morning that our sister Sandy Bonham passed away. And our prayers and feelings are with the Bonham family. As we begin today, would you bow with me in prayer? Our loving Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that we can assemble this morning to worship Thee. We pray that all that we do would be pleasing in Your sight. We know, Father, that You are the God of all comfort, and we pray Your special comfort to be with the Bonham family. We pray that You would help us as Your servants to reach out and show our love to them. We pray that you would be with every person leading us in this worship today, and we pray that our worship is pleasing in your sight. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. First song this morning, number 578. <laughs> Seven hundred and thirty one. <clears throat> 
beautiful, loving, and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day, the beautiful weather we've had this past week that you've let us enjoy, and God, at this time, we acknowledge that no people in the history of mankind have got to enjoy the peace and the comfort that we get to enjoy living in this nation and in this time, and we thank you for that, God, because that's a blessing from you. God, I pray that we never take it for granted. Heavenly Father, you know that there are many in our congregation, faithful servants that are dealing with loss and just absolute heartbreak from events of this past week. We lift them up to you, God, and just ask you to comfort them as only you can and just please help us as their brothers and sisters in Christ to do our part to love them and help them through their trials and hard times. And God, we just ask that you continue to be, be with us and help us go out each and every day and to live in the way that is pleasing to you and doing your will in all that we do. And God, we ask you, please forgive us where we failed you. 
And now we just ask that you focus our hearts and our minds and our attention on the word we're about to receive so that we can improve our lives and better serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to mark the invitation song, it'll be number 927. <clears throat> song before our scripts reading this morning, number 490. It's convenient.
Today's scripture reading will come from Psalms 31, verses 1 and 2. Psalms 31, verses 1 and 2. In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness. Bow down your ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be my rock of refuge, a fortress of defense to save me. It's always a beautiful Lord's Day when we can assemble together and worship our God, and we are indeed grateful that you're here this morning. We are especially, especially thankful for those who are visiting with us this morning, and we hope that you'll come back and be with us anytime that you can. You know, perhaps one of the most difficult things that a human being has to deal with in life is the loss of a loved one. And certainly, we have seen evidence of that just in the last few days. We want to continue to remember uh, Martha Yates and Harley and our prayers as uh, David passed away. We certainly want to remember Brother John Gardner and his wife, Wilda, as their daughter was laid to rest uh, this past Friday. And of course, this morning, we received the news that our sister Sandra Bonham had passed away. And so let's continue to support these people through this difficult time And it's kind of ironic that this has happened the same weekend. We're having our widowhood workshop where we are talking about living with loss. And that's certainly a very appropriate subject, one that many people need to hear. There's a lot of people that are really hurting out there, hurting immensely. And uh, this event that we've had this weekend, this Living for Loss workshop, can certainly go a long way Uh, toward helping in that area. We're very honored today to have Brother Dean Miller as our guest speaker. Brother Dean's a graduate of Freed Hardeman University. He has served churches in Somerville and Maury City, Tennessee, and he was the minister of the uh, Hartville, Ohio Church of Christ for some 33 years. He was born in Columbus, Ohio, and so he's a Buckeye through and through. Uh, he was married for 41 years, and his wife passed away on Christmas Day in 2013. He has three daughters, Michelle and Melissa and Deanna. He also has five grandchildren. And Brother Miller has been conducting this widowhood workshop full-time since March of 2020. Yesterday, we heard three marvelous lessons, lessons that were so encouraging Lessons that were so helpful, even if you had not experienced uh, uh, the loss of a close loved one, this would have been something that would have been tremendously beneficial. I think our count ended up being 84. That might be good, might not be so good, depending on who you talk to. But all that were here really benefited tremendously. I also want to mention the fact that these series of lessons are now available on our YouTube channel. And so you can go and you can actually hear and watch 
these lessons online, and I would encourage you to uh, talk to those that you know who might need to hear this and let them know about it as well. There's also several pieces of material on the back tables there uh, that Brother Miller has made accessible to us. I would encourage you uh, to take those as you leave today and read those. And so uh, we appreciate Brother Miller. We appreciate his ability, his devotion to what he's doing. And it's an honor for me to introduce him and let him have the remainder of the time. Let me encourage you to open your Bibles to the Psalms, and in particular, Psalm 31. The reality is life isn't always what we plan it to be. Life isn't always what we want it to be. We sometimes hear people say, life is unfair. I'm here to tell you that's not only true, but it can be worse than unfair. It can be cruel. It can be brutal. It can be so harsh, it's like it's taken a chunk of your heart out. Like it has ripped a part of your heart out. And you even struggle to breathe and have physical problems as a result. Life can be so stressful and so burdensome and so difficult. It doesn't get much more difficult than losing the dearest on earth to you. If you've not experienced that yet, thank the Lord. But one out of one dies and somebody is going to be left behind. But I'm here to tell you that losing your spouse isn't the only thing that can cause you to feel overwhelmed in your life. There are many things in life that we experience that can cause us to just be at the end of our rope. Feel as if that we're going to snap. Because life can be very difficult sometimes. In 1989, we left Hartville, Ohio to go to Dover and New Philadelphia, Ohio, to visit with my parents and my wife's parents because it was Thanksgiving weekend. The only problem with a preacher weekending is he has to be back Saturday mo Sunday morning. So he has to come back Saturday night. And so we did that on that fateful Thanksgiving weekend. It was dark and it was misting rain. We were traveling north on a state route in northeast Ohio, only about three miles from home. There was a Mennonite couple, older retired couple, who had come to Hartville, Ohio that evening for a wedding, and they were headed home, and they were traveling east. He missed the stop sign. Our 1985 Pontiac Bonneville met his 1970-something powder blue Pinto, his Ford right at his wife's door at 45 miles an hour. Shortly after that, Miss Eileen Burford died. 
My wife was injured and on crutches for a while. I was banged up a little bit, but not in any serious way. We had both went to the hospital that night. Thankfully, the three children were able to be picked up and taken to a friend's home for the night. Of course, I called the elders. I explained to them that I wasn't going to be in any condition to try to preach that morning. That morning, I hated having to set my three daughters down and tell them that the car that they were in and the car that their father was driving hit this other car, and as a result of that, a man's wife passed away. Some kid's grandmother passed away. Some folks' mother passed away. I wished I would have had one traffic light that was red in the 50-minute drive from my parents' house to our home. Or if I could have maybe just gone a different way and incurred one more stop sign somewhere else where I wouldn't have been at that intersection at that time, but I was. I was at that intersection at that time, and they were too. And he missed the stop sign. It's called vehicular manslaughter. I was overwhelmed by that experience. And hate to this day recalling the experience of telling my children about Mrs. Burford dying. I went to Mrs. Burford's memorial service. My wife couldn't because of her injuries. I was sitting right in the middle of that assembly. It was packed full. It was at the same church building where they were attending that Saturday night, this wedding, that Mennonite church building was packed. I was sitting right in the middle. When Mr. Burford got up during the course of his wife's memorial service, he spotted me, called me out by name, and asked me to stand up. And then he said this. I can quote the words exactly. Thank you for helping get my wife to heaven. I was overwhelmed. I didn't know how to respond to that. I was in my 30s. I was clueless about how to react to that experience. I was just overwhelmed. Life can be that way. Some of the circumstances that we experience can cause us to feel as if we're drowning in our overwhelming negative circumstances. When our daughter was 10 years old, our youngest daughter, she was diagnosed with a condition that is a somewhat common neurological issue. It's called hydrocephalus. It's excess fluid in the brain. In a cerebral aqueduct inside her brain, there was a restriction or constriction of some sort that was pushing her brain up against her skull. And it had been for a good while, but she was basically asymptomatic. And we were clueless about what was going on between her ears and in that head. The doctor said, we can take care of this. So they did a surgery where they shaved off half of her head of hair and put that hole in her head and implanted that shunt. And then that tubing that went from that shunt down into her stomach. 30 days after the surgery, we go for the post-op visit. 
We find out things are not good. As a matter of fact, things are worse now than they were before. Because now she's developed bilateral subdural hematomas. She's bleeding in both sides of her brain. Because after her brain had been pushed up against the skull, when that pressure was released and the brain then kind of receded a tad, then between her brain and her skull, there was bleeding that was occurring that was now pushing her brain down. So we had to go to University Hospitals of Cleveland in Cleveland, Ohio, to Rainbow Baby and Children's Hospital, a world-renowned children's hospital. And there was a man there who was a surgeon, the only pediatric neurosurgeon. I didn't know there was such an animal, a specialty within a specialty. Dr. Mapstone was the only pediatric neurosurgeon between Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and Detroit, Michigan, a densely populated part of our country. That summer, our youngest daughter had five brain surgeries. It was like Murphy's Law, and we were living it. Everything seemed to go wrong. I remember Dr. Mapstone coming into the intensive care, the PICU, the pediatric intensive care, one time saying, as if he was preparing us for what could very likely happen, he said, and I quote, Neurosurgeons are often the bearers of bad news. I don't remember anything else he said in that visit except that. Our daughter was in a comatose-like state, unresponsive to any audible stimuli, unresponsive to any physical stimuli. This went on for days and days. She was in the hospital for 33 days, and my wife was by her side the entire time. On one occasion, my wife bit into a carrot and began to chew the carrot. And you know that sound, that crunching sound, when you eat a raw carrot? What's that noise? That was our daughter. That was her coming back to us. She heard that crunching sound. And I'll never forget those sweet words. What's that sound? But there was a problem even with that when she came back to us. She had to learn to walk again. She couldn't feed herself and had to learn to feed herself again. And she had months and months of both physical and occupational therapy. If you were to see her today, she's alive. If you were to see her today, you would never know about what she had been through when she was 10 years old. Praise the Lord. We were blessed. Those kinds of scenarios do not always turn out that way, though. There are parents in that same situation or somewhat similar situations that end up dealing with loss. The loss of a precious child, an abnormal, unnatural experience in life. We were very blessed. But during that period of time, in between those surgeries, when we were walking from the pre-op room to the family waiting room, during that summer, I will never forget my wife with tears flowing down 
her cheeks, saying, I never want to walk down this hallway again. And within 48 hours, we were walking down that hallway again. It was a grueling life experience. When my wife was in her early 50s, she was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. It's not early onset by medical perspective. Early onset is more in your 40s, but she was 51 when she was diagnosed. And she struggled with that disease and the degeneration of her function for eight and a half years. And during that period of time, her walk went to a shuffle. And then her walk became so unstable she had to have a walker. And at times didn't even fare well with the walker and fell. On one occasion she fell out of bed, had to be transported to the hospital and have a hip joint replacement surgery because she fell out of bed. She got to the point where she couldn't get up out of a chair by herself. She couldn't go to the bathroom by herself. She couldn't bathe herself. She got to the point where she couldn't feed herself. She got to the point where she couldn't speak. You know how hard it is to do caregiving? If you've never done caregiving before, but you know a caregiver, love them. Support them and encourage them because they need help. There were times during that eight and a half years, I had to depart my wife's presence, go up into the bathroom, and with tears flowing down my eyes, the only thing I could get out was a three-word prayer. Lord, help me. I didn't know what else to say. I couldn't say anything else. And I was just thankful that the Lord could read my heart and knew my circumstances. There were times during that eight and a half years I felt like I was going to snap. It was the only time in my life I ever went back to my high school weight of 185 pounds. Sleeping on the floor, never permitting yourself to go into a deep sleep because you knew that if you went into a deep sleep, you might not be able to be responsive to your wife who is struggling mightily. One night she was starving to death, July 11th, 2013. She finally consented to having a feeding tube put in. And when I brought her home on July 14th of 2013, I was standing in front of the stove and committed myself at that point never to cook in the house again because I didn't want her to smell what she couldn't eat. Nor would I ever eat in the house because even if I were to bring something in from a, a restaurant, I wouldn't want her to smell what she couldn't have. So I would eat in the garage or I would eat outside. And it dawned on me. For all of my life, every time that I had thanked the Lord for the food that I had eaten, never once had I ever thanked the Lord for the ability to eat. We have blessings innumerable we've never even thought of. But if we think more specifically, we can become more deeply and sincerely thankful because we are abundantly blessed no matter how much we may be burdened. 
And then on Christmas morning of 2013, at 9.40 in the morning, with our oldest daughter on her left and me on her right, we watched her breathe her last breath. Life can be overwhelming. It can be so overwhelming that you can really relate to David in Psalm 31. I don't know what David was going through at this point in time in his life. I don't know the details. I don't know the timeline. But this I know. David was really struggling. Now, I want you to remember, as we look at this passage, I want you to remember this is not your average, ordinary, garden-variety believer. This is a man who twice in the Bible is described as a man after God's own heart. Great men and women of faith are still human beings. And because of that and living in a fallen world, there are going to be times when they're going to struggle. And I'm here to tell you, if you're not okay this morning, it is okay to not be okay. Because that just proves that you are a member of the human race. No matter how much faith you may have, no matter how godly and loving your heart may be, there could be times in your life when you think you're going to snap because you are struggling so much. I know David was struggling. The reason I know that is because if you pick up, pick up at verse 9, read with me or watch with me in your own Bible. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. My eye wastes away with grief, yes, my soul and my body. For my life is spent with grief and my years with sign. My strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. Don't you love the graphic, poetic way that he describes the agony that he is going through in his life? Verse 11 says, I am a reproach among all my enemies and especially among my neighbors and am repulsive to my acquaintances. Those who see me outside flee from me. I am forgotten like a dead man out of mind. Mm. I am like a broken vessel. For I hear the slander of many. Fear is on every side. While they take counsel together against me, they scheme to take away my life. This old boy is overwhelmed. He's really, really struggling. I had a hard time finding a definition for the word overwhelm. But in my search, I found a couple of synonyms that I think pretty well describe it. Submerge, crush. Sometimes it seems like you are drowning in your negative circumstances. You are in so much pain and agony. It could be physical, psychological, emotional, spiritual. There are all kinds of different agonies and struggles and pains we might have. Sometimes you just feel like you are drowning in those negative circumstances and how it's making you feel. Sometimes you feel crushed. 
Burdens can be so heavy in our life that we feel like we are being crushed. The loss of dear, sweet people in our life who have become a part of our life means that when we lose them, we lose a part of our life. Let me tell you what life is. Life is people, relationships, and experiences. That's life. People, relationships, and experiences. And when we lose people in our life with whom we have cultivated or been born into relationships, and we have experiences with them, and then we lose them, that's grief. That's the beginning of a grief journey. A very unpredictable, extremely difficult journey for the rest of your life, because as long as you live the rest of your life, this side of eternity, you're going to live with that loss. That loss doesn't evaporate. It doesn't disappear. It's not like a gift you don't want where you can just stick it in the closet and forget about it. And you certainly would not re-gift it to somebody else. Life sometimes gives you gifts you don't like. And one of those gifts you don't like that we get stuck with is loss. Especially loss of people. David had suffered a lot of loss in his life. When we're so overwhelmed, what do we do? How should we respond to that? Well, I think David gives us some real insight into that. Number one, trust God. There's never a time when we shouldn't. Let me emphasize, before we talk about adversity, let's make sure we emphasize that in times of prosperity, you know what we need to be doing? Trusting in the Lord. If you want to read about some people in a time of prosperity that didn't trust in the Lord, read the book of Amos in the Old Testament. They were living in the lap of luxury and could not even be grieved by the affliction of Joseph. Sometimes when we're enjoying prosperity, we become very independent and we become prideful. And we forget about the source of our blessings while we're enjoying our blessings. Never, ever let that happen. Trust God in the time of prosperity. Permit yourself to drink deeply from the pool of gratitude and serve him because he's so good to you. But there's also adversity. David was obviously going through a time of great adversity. One of the keys to his survival was his commitment to trust God even when things were bad when he did not have explanations for why all in his life was going on. And sometimes we don't have the answers to our questions. Often the leading one is why. Look at verse 1. The New King James Version says, In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Some translations say, In you, O Lord, I take my refuge. That's the idea. See, when you trust in the Lord, you are appreciating the bona fide 
guaranteed, absolutely perfect protection of God, you seek him as the refuge when it's pouring rain in your life. Look at verse 6. I have hated those who regard useless idols, but I trust in the Lord. Look at how he emphasizes that in this psalm. Look at verse 14. But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. And then he even gives us some insight into what trust is all about. In verse 15, he says, my times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies. You want to know what trust is? Well, there's another phrase here in verse 5 where David says, into your hand, into your hand I commit my spirit. You know what Jesus said on the cross? David said it first. It's an entrustment. When you take your money or a check to the bank, if you don't do electronic banking, What you're doing is you are entrusting that bank. You're giving them total soul possession and control of your money. Whenever those of you who are younger have children, and you unwisely choose to pay for child care when actually you could get it free from your parents, do you know there are grandparents who would pay to take care of your children? pay you to take care of their children. That's a lot better than hiring a teenager to do the same. They're older and wiser anyway. But when you turn those children over to some form of child care, that's an entrustment. Trust in the Lord. How much should we trust in the Lord? Well, Proverbs tells us. Here's a great passage that is just chock full of great truth. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6 says what we ought to do. Trust in whom we should trust. Trust in the Lord. How we should do that. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And it even explains what that means. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him and let him direct your paths. I've got a humbling message to share with you this morning. You don't know everything. I do not know everything. Nobody knows everything about anything. That's humbling. I know who does, though. There is a God, Daniel said, there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. Oh, yes, there's a God in heaven. He does know. His understanding and his wisdom is infinite. It's unsearchable. If you were to put all the wisdom I have in a little glass, the glass would have more air than my wisdom. We need to trust in the Lord. But can we be honest here for a moment? That's not always easy to do. Let's be frank about this. It's not always easy to do. When we don't understand 
And when we are hurting so deeply and our emotions, our feeler is running so fast, sometimes it can be hard to trust in the Lord. There was one time at church, I was sitting over here to my right, and the song leader got up and announced the song, the first song for that worship. It was the first Sunday morning before a dear, precious friend of mine died of cancer at the Cleveland Clinic in Cleveland, Ohio. That happened Friday night. She left behind three adorable daughters, same age as our daughters. She was a dear friend. The church loved that family, ministered to that family, prayed passionately for that family, and God let her die. That Sunday morning, when the song leader announced the first song, my first internal response was, I do not want to sing this song. It was that song that says great things he had done. And all I could think was, God, you didn't do such a great thing at the Cleveland Clinic Friday night. That's what I was feeling. That's all I could think. It's the only time in my life when I really was angry with God's inactivity. I couldn't believe he let that happen. And those three small girls left without a mother. Not everything that happens in this world is God's will, but in everything that happens, God has a will. Not everything that happens in a fallen world is what God wants to happen, but in everything that happens in this world, that is a fallen world, God does have a will, and his will is always consistently that he be glorified and that we be a blessing to others. And that purpose can be fulfilled by our choice, our reaction to the losses we sustain in our life. But sometimes it's hard to get to that point in your life whenever you've experienced some really difficult times. I'm a fan of a young lady named Lauren Daigle who sings some lyrics, faith-based lyrics, that are pretty impressive. Let me share with you some lyrics from a song she sings called Trust in You. When you don't move the mountains, I'm needing you to move. When you don't part the waters, I wish I could walk through. When you don't give the answers, as I cry out to you, I will trust. I will trust. I will trust in you. Easier said than done sometimes. Let's be honest. And it's okay to be honest about our faith struggles, especially in times of crises. But those are the times we need to make sure that we don't turn our back on the Lord, don't distance ourselves from the Lord, but instead choose to wholeheartedly trust in the Lord. We need him. I need thee every hour. We sing that song. Oh, precious Lord. We need him, especially in times of adversity. David also did something else. He remembered the goodness of God. 
Sometimes our burdens blind us to God, to his rich, beautiful character, and the blessings he provides because of his goodness. James chapter 1 and verse 17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow cast by turning. God is a blesser. That's what he does. He's in the blessing business. And every wonderful blessing we have in our life is because of him and his goodness. And David made it a point of remembering that, even though he was really struggling. Look at what he says in verse 19. Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. You shall hide them in the secret place of your presence from the plots of man. You shall keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has shown me his marvelous kindness and a strong city. Notice verse 19. Oh, how great is your goodness. Notice the adjective that modifies the noun. Great goodness. Notice the reference to kindness in verse 21. Marvelous kindness. No matter what happens, no matter how bad your life might be, how bad the circumstances might be in your life, there is one unalterable truth. It's stated in Nahum 1 verse 7, and the words appear between my name and my late wife's name where her body lay. The Lord is good and a stronghold in day of trouble, and he knows those who take refuge in him. The Lord is good. Life sometimes is bad, really bad. But God is always good, and his goodness is what provides our blessings when we are struggling with our life. My children grew up with the Smurfs, and I kind of enjoyed them too. Gargamel and Azrael were the enemy, always looking for opportunities to get rid of the Smurfs, to do them harm. Gargamel and Azrael got them all together in one episode, created a ring of fire around them, and the Smurfs were about to become toast. But Papa Smurf, the wise old man, Papa Smurf, said, Smurfs, sing with me, sing with me. I'll spare you my singing. I'll quote you the lyrics. Goodness makes the badness go away. Goodness makes you happy every day. Badness cannot start when there's goodness in your heart. Goodness makes the badness go away. You can Google the melody. It was a cute scene. I'm not here to suggest to you that... Reflecting on the goodness of God is going to cause your badness in your life to evaporate. I'm not suggesting that. But here's what I am suggesting. Never let the badness in your life blind you from the goodness of God and the blessings that you have. Because remembering the goodness of God and the abundant blessings you have, which are always more numerable than all the burdens you are bearing at any time, will lift you up and give you strength to keep breathing and keep putting one foot in front of the other. And sometimes in life, that's all you need to do. The best advice I can give 
to someone who has lost a dear, precious person in their life, the best advice I can give early on is simply two words. Keep breathing. That's all you have to do, keep breathing. It's all about survival. Talking about coping is way, way down the road. Early on, all you have to do is survive. Just keep breathing. One thing that can help you to keep breathing is remembering the goodness of God and the abundance of your blessings. It's those blessings that often create for us a way for us to bear the burdens. Then there's a really tough thing to do at the end of the psalm. It's waiting on the Lord. Here the Lord is up there acting like a crockpot, and we live in a microwave world, and there's the issue. There's our problem. It's hard to wait on the Lord. There are times in your life when you are in God's waiting room and you have no earthly idea when you're going to depart that room. And you don't even know why you're in the room. Verses 23 and 24 of this psalm. Oh, love the Lord, all of his saints, for the Lord preserves the faithful and fully repays the proud person. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Or some translations say, wait on the Lord. Ever sing the song, Teach Me, Lord, to Wait? That's a good song to sing. That's a hard thing to do, to learn to wait. We're a mess of impatient people who struggle with limited understanding and limited strength. And it's hard to wait on the Lord. Why isn't the Lord letting me out of this mess? I can't stand this anymore. I can't get through another night of this. Why isn't he opening the door and letting me out of his waiting room? There's a value to waiting on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord is kind of like not just getting a membership at a gym, but going to the gym and participating in physical activity. If you were to leave here this morning or later on today and you go to a restaurant, you have a waiter come up to you and you know what a waiter does? A waiter serves. That's what a waiter does. A waiter serves. Waiting on the Lord means you keep serving the Lord no matter what. Even when you don't understand. Even when you're really struggling with your emotions. Just keep serving the Lord. A cocoon should not be opened before it's time. Eggs in an incubator should not be opened before their time. Sometimes we just need to be in the Lord's waiting room, exercising our faith so that we can get stronger. To be not only a stronger person, but a wiser person because of what we've experienced and a better equipped person to help other people who struggle with their life that may be very similar things to what we've experienced. Oh, the value of waiting on the Lord. There's a very famous verse about this very subject in Isaiah at the end of chapter 40. I call it, affectionately, the Hobby Lobby verse in the Bible. We can find it on home interior products. 
But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Good news. But you know what sometimes we fail to do is look at the context of a passage. Now, to help you appreciate that passage like you never have before, possibly, let me go up to verse 28. Here is the context of that passage. To really appreciate the last verse, go up to verse 28. I love this series of questions. Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary, his understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. To those who have no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord... Do you see the context? Do you see the contrast? Even young people, with all of their youthfulness and all of their strength, get tired have to quit, have to rest. But oh, those who wait on the Lord, they don't have to worry about that. If we trust in the Lord and keep serving the Lord, we're going to be able to mount up with wings like eagles. And we're going to be able to run and not be faint. And we're going to operate on the strength that comes from the Lord who is the everlasting God, who also has wisdom that is unsearchable, trusting in Him, remembering His goodness, finding ourselves content on waiting while we struggle, continuing to serve Him, will stop us from drowning in the negativity of life. This morning, if you are drowning in the negativity of your life. I urge you to share that with others. If you need help, let people know. We can't help support and encourage people who are struggling in their life unless we know they're struggling. We need to have people in our life, a posse, if you will. People that we're close to that we're willing to share anything with. And you know, sometimes... It's a good thing just to come in front of the whole church family and say, well, folks, this is it. This is my mess. I need your help. You know one thing I long for? I long for the day that I see a troubled marriage. Two people responding to the invitation, begging their brothers and sisters to pray for them because the tie that binds them is about to snap. I long for the day a couple would be that transparent, or a whole family respond to the invitation, confessing their dysfunction, the mess that they have, and the need that they have to grow a better family. That's transparency. It's okay to not be okay and let other people know. So we encourage you. While we sing the song of invitation, if you are struggling with something in your life, to feel free to share it. If you've not yet become a Christian, oh, how nice, how sweet it is to trust in the Lord, to find release from the burden of sin. His yoke is easy. 
His burden is light. If you in simple trusting faith, turning away from sin, want to be baptized into Christ, please come while we stand and while we sing. Why Jesus minds for the Lord's Supper. Sing number 214.
If you do not have the emblems, uh, our ushers uh, will pass that out to you. If you'll raise your hand, they'll walk down the aisles and provide that to you. If you would, turn to 1 Corinthians 11 with me. And we want to focus a portion of our time here about how we partake of the Lord's Supper as we prepare and reflect on ourselves. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat the bread and the cup and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. When we come together and we partake of this bread and we take of this cup, we need to do it with a right mind and the right heart and for the right purpose so that we do not bring judgment upon ourselves. In 1 Corinthians 9, we see Paul and how he lived his life and how he acted and how he would beat his own body figuratively to make sure that it acted in the proper way. Pray that you'll reflect on these things as we partake. If you would, take the bread and we'll bow together. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. The life that he gave, that he lived, and the example that he provided and that he so freely gave to us, Father. The earnings that he had that we get to benefit from. Father God, we pray that we will partake of this bread in a worthy manner to you. Father God, as we give our lives to you as he gave, it's in his son's name we pray. Amen. Would you bow with me? Father in heaven, we come before your throne again. Thank you for the blood that was spilled on the cross that ultimately provides us salvation, that provides us the gift that we can never earn ourselves. We again thank you for the perfect life that Christ lived and the perfect example that he was, and we pray that we will act and, and carry out our lives in a similar manner, Father, that we will strive to be Christ-like. Be with us as we partake of this fruit of the cup. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
We might now move to an important part of our worship where we have the opportunity to give. You'll see there first Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians 9 and 17. So let each one of you give what you have decided to give in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This is a point where we get to use what we do every day to give back to the church. But it's important in how we give as well, just as we reflect on the Lord's Supper and our lives there. In the Sermon on the Mount, we are called to give in a proper manner. If you'll look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, we see in verse 23, So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother is something against you, and then come and offer... Sorry. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and they remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled with your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Last week, sometimes things happen that say, hey, that's going to preach. Last Sunday morning, Luke and Caleb weren't always getting along, as you imagine brothers might do. And during worship, this, this, this note was passed down the aisle. Luke, I love you. I'm sorry I sometimes fight at you. It's one of those things that I don't know what you're going through or if you've got a brother that you're struggling with, but I pray that you'll reconcile with them so that whenever you do give, that you give in a worthy manner as well. We have many ways that you can give. You can give today in the offering plate. You can go online. You can give in many ways to the office there. But as you lay aside in sword, I pray that you'll do that in a worthy manner. Would you please bow with me? Father in heaven, we thank you so much. We thank you so much for the means that we have to give, the earnings that we are provided. And Lord, we pray that we'll give back to you a portion of what you've blessed us with. We pray that you will help us become like little children, that we may forgive one another, that we may reach out to one another, and that we may serve you with a clean heart, with an open conscience, Father. Father, we pray that these funds that are raised will be used to glorify your kingdom and then be able to use, be able to serve and to further expand it. Father God, we love you so much. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Good morning. We had uh, 288 in our service this morning. Before I get to these announcements and um, in closing prayer, I do want to I do want to say these words on behalf of the congregation here. Um, I'll speak specifically what's on my heart, Brother Miller. I know you do not do this for any self glorification. So today, we. Thank God for the blessings that he has granted you, and we thank God for your ministry, and uh, we thank God for you blessing us this weekend and today. Because we have so many people who need us, and as we close this service and as we kind of get into these announcements and other activities, we need to make sure we're very mindful of those that are on our prayer list, the families that have lost loved ones, 
the many that are still sick and those that are still hurting. So I hope and I pray as we close today in just a moment uh, that we will have the energy and the, the knowledge and the wisdom to know exactly how to show God's love. We have several things that we do want to mention. Uh, tonight is Lads the Leaders Recognition Night, so I hope you'll come back for that. Um, I have two things I would like to announce concerning that. One is, uh, if you're a young person, I don't care. I don't care if you were, went to Lads or not. Please sit up front in this little middle section. So those of you who might sit in this middle section, just move to the sides. There's always plenty of room. So please do that for me if you don't mind. Um, we will have a short devotional uh, this, this evening. Uh, I'll give that devotional. Uh, we'll, we'll, of course, allow for those to take the Lord's Supper who need it. And then we'll get started into our recognition uh, activity. So I hope you'll come back tonight for that. I know Jordan wants to make sure I announce that next weekend is the youth and family retreat at Lake LaJoy uh, Group Camp in Henderson, Tennessee. We have a great speaker there for our young people and for us as parents and for adults and whoever might come. Uh, Brother Ralph Gilmore will do that. And the treat and the retreat um, theme is on it. So I'm really excited about this. And I hope you are, have made plans to come. Homemade snacks are needed. I do see that in bold down here in our, so I do want to say that. Uh, and Jordan, I want to make sure I look at you. Did I miss anything that you would like for me to say? Okay. Jordan, thank you so much for continuing to serve us and to help us have these kind of activities. Again, all high school seniors, I do want to announce this. Please sign the sheet in the foyer because on May the 15th, you will be, um, that's our senior Sunday. So we don't want to miss anybody. So please make sure you do that. So I think that's, and I have a card I'd like to read. And then I'll say the prayer. Dear church family, thank you for all the cards, calls, flowers, and expressions of love during the death of our daughter. We will always remember each one of you being there in such a difficult, in such a difficult time. John and Wilda Gardner. If you would stand with me, please, if you're able to. As a church family, let's, uh, let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we love you so much. We're so thankful for your goodness and we're so thankful for the love that you have shown to us, each one of us. And God, my, our prayer this morning is as we leave this place, the gracious love that you have provided each one of us. Help us do our best to share that love with anybody we come in contact with. Thank you so much for Jesus, whose example of love we're here to follow. It's in Christ's name. Amen.